Thanks for joining us on LifeWords Q&A. It is our weekly podcast with David Ray where we discuss life and faith and everything in between. David, thanks so much for joining us again. Well, thanks for the opportunity. It's excellent to have you. Now, each week we talk about three questions that uh, you, our listeners, submit. And today, what are we to make of those near-death experiences which uh, we read about in books? Church leaders say we must tithe. And also, we're looking at white lies. And is it okay to say them? But first, David, let's look at the issue of near-death experiences, which we read about in books. What do we make of them? Well, Andrew, I've got a confession to make. I never read those books, um, mainly because I've got a lot of books to read and I want to read. And, and I've got to be perfectly honest, they don't necessarily have a great appeal to me. Now, I'm not judging those who find them very encouraging, but uh, so I've got to say right at the outset, I, I, I don't really see why I would particularly want to read those books. I, I, I reckon they encourage people people about Jesus' presence beyond death, but actually I know that already from the Bible. I don't know whether I need to read these actual experiences. Uh, I'm certainly not not necessarily saying that the books are phony or anything. I mean, maybe it could be fraudulent cases, but I'm not, I'm not making that judgment at all. I'm assuming that the people who write those books and publish them, well, it's all, it all did happen. It does seem as though those who die or nearly die do see something of the glory of heaven. And all I'd want to say to that is, well, that doesn't surprise me. Um, and I guess you know that they've I'm not quite sure though in coming back to life as it were in drawing near death and coming back to life and then telling everyone about it sort of thing whether or not they're adding much more to what we already know um, from the Bible Um, I'm aware that when I die I'm going to be with Jesus and uh, I think I'm quite content with that Uh, so I don't really feel the need to um, read the books. I I think I just want to caution people who read them um, about being too gullible and believe everything. Um, Just because one person had a particular experience doesn't mean to say that everyone must have it. Um, But then again, I I would never want them to cynically dismiss the descriptions either. Um, But I just think generally it's best to stick to what the Bible says and trust when our time comes uh, we'll see him face to face. But before that time, I personally don't really want to read a lot of books about it. But if other people do and it encourages them uh, in terms of seeing Jesus when they die, well, that's great. I guess it's our curiosity, isn't it, of things after this life that that makes us want to read those books. And I mean, obviously, there's a curiosity there, David. Uh, What does the Bible tell us about life after death? Well, well, it does seem to tell us, uh, first of all, it's not entirely clear in every detail, but it does seem to tell us that when we die, uh, we will be with Jesus. In some way now there's scholars debate about in what exact way we'll be with Jesus, but what was pretty clear is when we die we will be with Jesus. And uh, when Jesus sort of, as it were, winds up this world, we will we will have our new bodies and live with him forever um, in heaven. I think I think we've got to be careful on this curiosity thing. Yes, it's it's natural to be curious, but I I think the Bible gives us enough assurance simply to say you are going to be with Jesus and that's going to be wonderful beyond description Uh, and if we want to sort of dig beneath that and speculate it maybe even through reading some of these books I I think we've got to be careful because we might be trying to speculate too much and to unravel a mystery that's not ours to unravel Uh, what happens when we die 
we go to be with Jesus, those who trust in him. And uh, I'm quite content to just leave it at that. And if people want to be encouraged by these books, fine. But if it's just feeding a bit of inordinate curiosity, I think we've just got to be reverently respectful of what we can and cannot know. Okay. Well, David, our second question today is, our church leaders say we must tithe. Is this a biblical command? Well, well, tithing, first of all, for those who, who might not be quite aware of the word, is giving a tenth of our wealth, of our possessions. Now, it was part of the... It was part of the routine in the Old Testament days. Um, it's interesting in the New Testament epistles, where Paul particularly sets out a lot of requirements for living the Christian life, that um, it's not given prominence. But generous giving is. Um, that again, when we go back to the Gospels, Jesus seems to accept that tithing is part of the normal godly pattern of life. He doesn't say, if you tithe, he says, when you tithe, do this and do this and do that. Um, mind you, Jesus has harsh words to say about tithing being becoming a legalistic um, routine. Um, so Jesus doesn't actually, I think, command it, but we dare not dismiss it because of that, because Jesus, again, seems to accept the reality of it coming over from the Old Testament. But it's interesting that, that in it, as the church developed, that tithing was not uh, given that prominence. So we've got to be just a little bit careful. So I, I, I'd stop short of saying it's commanded and all must do it. But then again, as I look back on my life, I pretty well always tithed. And the reason for that is that I think it's a valuable guide to how we ought to give. I think the Bible says, give generously. That's fine. But then we have to ask the next question, well, what does it mean to give generously? Well, I look to the Bible and I say the only guide that I get there uh, is the tenth principle, the tithing principle. So um, how do I measure generosity? Well, I, be, I, I measure generosity by tithing. But again, I stress that might be a good start. But we dare not limit our generosity to tithing because I think that's what Jesus was, was up against. You see, some of these people said, right, as long as I give an exact tenth, that's fine. Whereas I think Paul and Jesus, by implication, says, look, it's not just a mathematical proportion. It's the heart. Mm. It's the generosity. But then again, I think in saying that, I don't think he's ignoring the statistics. I mean, I mean, someone can say, well, yes, I give generously and it's 0.0005 of my income or something. Well, I think that's a little bit of a contradiction of terms. I think you use the tithe as a guide, uh, perhaps as a minimum. Um, and uh, then go over and above that as the case may be. So whenever I've tithed, I think it's a case of this is the minimum I give. Um, but of course, I can go over and above it because I think it's generosity, which is what is commanded rather than a strict 10% because people get into all these arguments about 10% of your gross income, 10% of your net income and all this. And and while I, I guess they're, they're reasonable enough questions, I, I think we've got to be careful of getting too legalistic. But at the same time, as with a lot of these questions were asked, um, just observe the balance because let's not be legalistic, but at the same time, let's not throw out the whole idea of a tithe and think all we've got to do is to be generous because I think we need some guidelines as to what generosity involves. And I think tithing's a good guideline. So we're called to be cheerful givers in some respect, uh, but don't feel guilty about the 10% tithe as such no, because it's, yeah, as you say, in, in the New Testament we're told to be uh, generous givers, but, yeah, as you say, the tithe is not necessarily yes. being carried on from the Old yes. Testament. You see, you, you can tithe um, and God may not be pleased. 
because the tithing is not coming out of a generous and cheerful heart. Um, then again, you can pat yourself on the back of being generous and cheerful and yet be given and giving a mere pittance. And so we've got to avoid those, uh, avoid those extremes. I would say to people who ask me about tithing, it's a good practice as a helpful guide to being generous. So don't ignore it. Don't dismiss it. Jesus didn't. But at the same time, don't impose it, I would suggest, as a uniform law, because that what that tends to do is to encourage this legalism that Jesus attacked. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A. Great to have your company. Uh, you can listen to previous episodes. There's 16 of them, in fact, uh, at our website, hope1032.com.au. Just go to the LifeWords Q&A podcast. You can subscribe and get it into your computer through iTunes every week. Uh, and there's a link to it from the website. If you've got a question, lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. Hopefully that wasn't a mouthful. Our final question, David, is, is there ever such a thing as a white lie? Well, to answer that, I think we need to understand just what a lie is. Uh, look, look, it, it, it's a more complex issue than what you think. I mean, many Christians would say, oh, no such thing as a white lie. Well, let, I, I don't like that term white lie very much, but let's just talk about the complexity of truth telling. Just what is a lie? You see, there are occasions when we don't tell the truth. The Bible warns against lying because it destroys community. Mm. We, we shouldn't be a false witness to one another. But telling the truth is not that simple at times. You see, telling the truth is not the same as saying just what's on our mind. We can use discretion. Your child comes home and shows you a drawing and says, hey, Dad, do you reckon my drawing looks like an elephant? Well, it looks nothing like an elephant at all. But are you going to say to the child, no, it looks nothing like an elephant at all. It's just a lot of scribble. Do it again. Do it again. That's exactly right. Of course you're not. Um, or more sensitively, if you're... Um, your wife, your husband, whoever it is, comes home with a haircut, a particular new haircut, and says, do you like my new hairstyle? You have to use some discretion, I think, in terms of um, mm. what you feel about it. And, and and look, what about propaganda in wartime? Winston Churchill said that um, uh, one of the great contributions to the Allied victory in World War II was the propaganda and the, 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 the deception exercises they used. And he called it, um, truth is, so, I, I think I'm, I'm quoting him right, truth is so important that it has to be safeguarded at times by a bodyguard of lies. And I think what, what Churchill was saying is, we deliberately deceived our enemy. We absolutely told him a lie again and again and again and again and again, but for a good purpose. And and you see, I don't think any of us would deny that. that yes, we were lying, but but we were deceiving, but not 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 out of horrible motives and so on and so on. And and you see, some people even uh, you know confuse telling the truth with giving factual information. There was a real life example I had years ago when um, a father and ma mother of a teenage boy in our church would ask him every Sunday, did he go to church that Sunday night? He would always tell his mother and father, yes, I did go to church on the Sunday night, and I knew he came to church on Sunday night. But the fact is, he would stick his head in the door and then shoot down to the local shopping centre with his mates. Okay. So when mum and dad were saying, did you go to church tonight? He was telling them the facts. I did go to church on Sunday night, but he wasn't telling the truth in no way. There was deception going on there. There really. was deception. And so factuality is not quite the same as telling the truth. So all, all, look, all I'm saying here is there are there are layers and layers of complexity with truth telling. Now, now, having said that, in most cases, it's more straightforward than that. And so I would say it is not right to lie 
but careful of how we define the lie. I think the main concern behind the commandment about not bearing false witness and not lying is that we don't harm people by deception. Our intention, unless it's wartime type thing, is not to deceive. Um, I think what Jesus wants to say to us is, Paul wants to say to us is, may your words be trustworthy. And I think when we come to the white lie, which can be, no, uh, someone says, someone planning a surprise party for me next Saturday. Oh, no, they're not. White lie? Well, I wouldn't even call it a lie. It's mm. that That's really just part of the social exchange. We're not trying to harm the person. We're not trying to deceive. We're not trying to destroy community. We are simply, as it were, not revealing the truth, but for a very, very good reason. So while we might say that lying, by almost by definition, is always wrong, I'd have to ask the deeper question and the more complex question, what is a lie? And as I say, I don't think withholding certain factual information is necessarily a lie and nor do I think giving factual information is necessarily telling the truth. So we could say a lot more about it but we wouldn't have the time to do it now but all I'd say is it's not quite as simple as what we think but look at the heart. Don't just the words, look at the heart. What's your intention? Is your intention to hurt and to harm that person by lying or is it is is this not conveying the whole truth um, really just a matter of uh, not telling you about a surprise party or not telling your child exactly what their drawing looks like? I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about lying. Could I ask you uh, maybe a, a, an example of uh, older parents who perhaps the father has got a, a, a an illness which is pretty serious? Mm. And that generation of parents just thinks, oh, I don't want to bother our children with that kind of information. So withholds it. But in the process, the young adult is you know, deeply hurt by the parent not coming out and saying, look, I've got cancer or something and, and holding it. You know, it, it, white lie. It's hurting someone in that process. Is it, it, Well, it, 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 it's hurting someone, yes. But was the intention to hurt? No, the intention was actually to not hurt, but it ends up hurting. So I, I think that particular instance, and, and it's, it's not uncommon actually, is not so much a case of lying, whether it's, it's easy to lie something, but what is the most loving thing to do here? Um, sometimes, you see, it, it, it is appropriate to withhold from someone else the seriousness of your illness. And I, I can imagine circumstances where that is a perfectly loving, wise thing to do. You're not telling everyone about your illness at a particular time. Now, it may hurt them, but uh, then again, uh, you may be withholding that information out of out of genuine, maybe misguided love, but out of genuine love for them. I think that's a that that that's a tough one. But again, I come back. To in terms of intention. Am I trying to deceive this person so as to hurt them or am I just trying to somehow or other, perhaps in a misguided way, help them by withholding the seriousness of my illness? I don't think it's necessarily always right to tell people exactly what's wrong with you. And maybe they might get hurt, but you've got every right then to say, well, I'm sorry, I did it out of concern for you and I believe that I did the right thing. Look, in all these cases of ethics, there are a lot of black and white issues, mm. but there are also some grey issues. And what we've got to be very concerned about generally ethically is not to treat as grey the real black and whites, but not to treat as black and white the greys. 
it's more complex. And I do believe when in that instance you're talking about, in many other instances, we do so much need the spirit of God's wisdom. Lord, give me the words to say, when will I speak? When will I not speak? What is a lie? And um, what is just merely an appropriate withholding of information? Thanks, David. Really enlightening stuff. You can download this podcast and others like it at hope1032.com.au. Till next week, David, have a great week. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Andrew.